Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. If this show goes on for another year or two, even I may begin to like it. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I'm your host, Brian Levine, coming to you very far pre-recorded because as this show goes out, I am on the uh, final night of my cruise down to the uh, Columbia, the Panama Canal, Costa Rica, and I will uh, tell you more about that as... uh, (laughs) tell you more about that on the when i get back and i can tell you more about it um, if you want to see pictures from it follow me on uh, facebook or instagram on uh, this week's show in pipe parts i'm going to answer a listener question about uh, the most effective ways to sanitize or disinfect your stems and then my guest is my friend per jensen of mcbaron tobacco company but this time, we're not talking tobacco, no, we're talking uh, Pear's family name and uh, the George Jensen Pipes and uh, Pear's time in the pipe business. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, music, mailbag, and rant, all that coming up on uh, this week's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. And uh, remember, it would be wonderful if you could leave a rating or a review on, uh, a rating and review on iTunes and Stitcher and any place else. And greatly appreciated if you continue to share out the uh, Pipes Magazine radio show to all your friends and enemies. Um, also, again, we are starting up, uh, we're starting to gather products for the uh, JDRF fundraiser to uh, support research for finding a cure and treatment for type 1 diabetes, which my daughter has now had uh, coming up on, oh boy, 13 years. So. Uh, you know, we've raised a lot of money in the past and every, every little bit that we can do really does help. So I appreciate that. If you have anything that you'd like to donate again, email me, Brian at pipesmagazine.com or reach out to me on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, we'll try to get all that going, uh, the end of April. So there you go. All right, everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in. And here we go. There's nothing quite like working in my shop or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. And as I've always said, if you have a uh, question, suggestion, comment, idea for pipe parts, well, let me know. And that's what exactly what Bruno did. And here's Bruno's question. Uh, or here's his suggestion. What are the most effective ways to sanitize uh, disinfect stems depending on their component, lucite, vulcanite, amber, etc.? Thank you again for your great work, Brian Bruno. All right. Well, let me tell you, sanitize is um, there. Are you sanitizing it or are you restoring it? 
if it's a perfectly clean stem of a pipe, doesn't matter what material it is, if it's perfectly clean, the only thing that I can suggest that you do every time when you, as soon as you're done smoking it or even while you're done smoking it is just wipe it down with a clean cloth, just the stem part. Just wipe down the stem with a clean cloth or, in my case, a, a T-shirt or a sweatshirt that I happen to be wearing. Uh, you just want to get the slobber off of the stem and get it as dry as possible. I have been recently dabbling around with, uh, with olive oil. So as soon as I'm done, I just literally get my finger just damp with olive oil and rub it on there. And that helps keep the stem from oxidizing. Now, it only works if it's a perfectly clean, if it's a perfectly clean stem. So there you go. Uh, one other modification I've done is I try to keep my Everclear off of the stem because that's been causing problems for my stems. Now, if it's an acrylic stem or, as he mentions in here, amber, or if it's a horn stem, uh, those are really easy to keep clean. I mean, literally, I can, I'll can i use my Everclear to clean a, an acrylic stem and you know, just use the Everclear on a tip of a pipe cleaner, rub it on there and clean it off, and then use a T-shirt that I'm wearing to wipe it off. You know, don't use my T-shirt, but use your own. Uh, so that, it's that simple with, with acrylic, uh, works, works a similar way with bone or amber. You've got to be really careful when you take bone or amber and you start looking at a buffing wheel to clean it up because you really just want to use just a little bit of white poly or white, uh, white buffing compound on a very clean mop and just lightly buff it. Uh, amber, you can heat up bone you can heat up acrylic good luck trying to heat it up uh, but again once you get it clean you just use a clean mop then to get the the residue of the buffing compound off no wax needed whatsoever uh, ebonite and vulcanite the two forms of rubber well i hate cleaning them and i try my best to keep them as clean as possible and that's where the the ebonite and vulcanite that's where the olive oil comes into play and i've been again i've been playing with that but uh once a stem starts to get discolored i really haven't found any good way for any of us at home to clean the pipe all right and it, it i i'm gonna put this right up there with car maintenance uh you use a pipe you know there's some stuff that you can do to it and then there's some stuff that you really should pay a professional to do to it all right i i don't want to i'm i'm not capable enough to change my own oil in my car especially in the mini it's a, it's in a spot um but at the same time, let a professional do it. Let a professional do the transmission and do the brakes. Let a professional do ebonite and vulcanite stem cleaning for you. Uh, once it's nice and clean, just keep your slobber off of it. Uh, and then use a little bit of that extra virgin olive oil or you know virgin olive oil, just, uh, just a little bit to keep it on there. You might also want to get a... Uh, if you get a buffing wheel and you want to get some carnauba wax, you know, putting more wax on that stem in between, you know, every five to ten smokes 
Well, the wax is there purely just to keep the stem from oxidizing, so that will help keep it clean. Again, if it's dirty, I've tried the OxyClean. I've tried soaking it in bleach. It's a terrible mess. It's a lot of work. If you want to learn how to do that yourself, go on YouTube, find some good videos on how to clean or restore pipes. Uh, look at uh, Reborn Pipes blog. And you know what? Go on eBay and get yourself a whole bunch of cheap pipes to practice on before you start working on your new ones or your good ones. All right. You're going to hurt some pipes. Uh, you might hurt yourself. And in order to get the proper buffing wheel and the proper mops and the compounds and everything, well, just the motor itself is going to be $150, $200. The mops are going to be 10 to $15 each. And you've got to have the compound, and then you've got to have a brush to get in the draft hole and get it cleaned out. Because, you know, believe it or not, you can get oxidation inside the draft hole and you've got to get in there and clean it out with a brush and some and some alcohol so it's a lot of work it's a lot of expense you find somebody that can do restoration or do the ream and clean for you great it's a whole lot cheaper than going out and buying all the equipment and buying a whole bunch of test pipes and screwing it up now you got time go for it all right that's my suggestions um, again, you know, if you have any of your own ideas on how to do it or any suggestions for people, uh, post them on the Pipes Magazine radio show page uh, for this episode and, you know, share them with your friends. All right. In just a moment, Per Jensen. This is Internet Radio. Have a look in your tobacco cellar. What do you see? Think of what you smoke, what you age. What you're drawn to in a blend that keeps you wanting more. That's your taste. And whether you know it or not, you've been leading that expedition since you first picked up a pipe. Just by smoking what you like and liking what you smoke. But the funny thing about taste, it changes. And you need a wide selection to accommodate it. We at Smoking Pipes know this, and you know it too. So whether you're searching for a tried and true favorite, or a singular boutique mixture, we're here to help you navigate the voyage of your evolving tastes. But you're still at the helm, smoking pipes in faithful service of the hobby. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. And uh, joining us from the, uh, from the fine distant country of Denmark is... My old friend, Per Jensen. Per, welcome back to the show. Thank you very much, Brian. It's good to be back. I, I remember it's it's a long time since I, I joined you last time. Yeah, it's been a it's been a couple of years, and I think you were on to introduce some new tobaccos or something. But this time, we're not talking about tobaccos. We're not talking about your current job with McBaron. This time, we're talking about your. You know, the place where you were born, your father's pipe factory, the uh, in, in English, the George Jensen Pipe Factory, but uh, pronounce it in Danish for us. Well, uh, in Danish, uh, it was Geo Jensen. That's easy for you to we, say. We don't, yeah, it's, it's, it's a G. It's not a G, but, but no, 
who cares? And that's Except why for the Danes. And that and that's why your name is Pear George yeah, okay. Jensen. Yes, exactly. Now did exactly. You, did your father have another name besides Gerg? Yeah, well, we got into um, we got into a legal fight with uh, George Jensen Silver, you know, the big uh, silverware company, mm-hmm. um, who wanted that uh, nobody could have registration under the name George Jensen. They they would be alone on the market. Um, and before that, my my father uh, father's name was actually Carl George Lauritz Jensen. Wow! So he skipped. He skipped two names and uh, kept the George Jensen. So his <laughs> his name was George Jensen. And the law said you could marketing uh, a product under your own name. So so your father fought the big giant silver company and won the battle. Uh, yes, by deleting two names. <laughs> that, that's how it was at that time. How did your father begin in the in the pipe business? Um, well, it was actually a, uh, it was a mistake uh, <laughs> because my father was working as uh, or working in the harbor police of Copenhagen um, night shifts, and during the day he was uh, very good at engineering machines. Uh, and a couple of guys came and and they wanted to to start producing pipes. That was we are now talking early 50s and um, my father well it was a good idea everybody smoked pipes so why not so we engineered uh, three machines um, that step by step would make the the shape um, and when they have to pay uh, big surprise they had no money <laughs> oh no uh, and my father stuck all his money in the machine so uh, after a couple of nights discussion with uh, with my mother. They agreed. Well, we have to buy some briarwood and uh, make something that we can can sell. So we get our money back, and and that was actually how it started. So it is not a, a big fancy idea of I can make better pipes or whatever. It was actually the needs. <laughs> it was I made these machines and now I need to do something with them because I can't get paid for them yep so and I have uh, I've had here recently a very very nice experience uh, because in, in the old factory uh, under the roof uh, my father and mother have been storing uh, financial reports uh, old mouthpieces, meaning uh, rubber mouthpieces, um, bamboos, uh, all kind of stuff. And um, my sister called me and said, well, we have to clean it. We have to, to, to empty it. So uh, we spent a whole weekend bringing down stuff. And um, looking into it, I, I, I found the, the bookkeeping from the first year. Wow. I find the books. Um uh, I didn't bring it back because I knew I was going to disappear into that world. So they are still um, in Skensville on Sealand, but I'm going to bring them back here within a month, and then I'll have a look into it and and see what's what's it all about. That was from the start, the first uh, financial year. 
Now, do you do you know what the what was the pipe market like in Denmark when the when your father started? Was there Stanwell pipes and then some English pipes? Yeah, Stan, Stanwell started um, started uh, years before we did. I think 10, 10 or twelve years before we uh, we started. Um, and later on, you had um, you had Preppenholm. Yeah. Uh, Nerding was uh, coming slowly. Uh, and we we had some some pipe factories, but um, they all disappeared. Yeah, <laughs> except now you have all the tobacco factories. Uh, <laughs> all of them are going I- to Denmark, <laughs> but uh, yes, and I, I think I think for us it's. Um, as, as a pipe producer, uh, we got caught in, in, in the labor cost in Denmark because pipes are very labor intensive. Uh, and when we have to compete with, uh, with France or Italy um, or even Germany for, for that matter, uh, they could produce pipes much cheaper than we could. Yeah. And yeah. You, you, you saw the result. We, we closed down in, or the factory was closed down in 2003. Uh, and Stanwell moved uh, their production to Italy. Now, going back to the so, very early days of the factory, was, was your father making pipes under his own brand, or was he also making pipes for other companies? No, in the, in the beginning, it was um, it was only pipes under other names, meaning a wholesaler. Uh, could give an order, but uh, he wanted uh, those and those names, and he wanted uh, these shapes, and and well, then they did it. And and then and, he'd, uh, and he'd put his name, he'd put that wholesaler's name on it, and then yeah, off it yeah. would go, and nobody knew where it came from. Exactly. And exactly. And was it but, just but in he, Denmark, or was it other countries as well? No, it was uh, in the beginning. It was uh, only in Denmark. The first export, uh, I think, started in '68, and that was uh, that was Germany. Wow! So there was a there was enough business in just Denmark alone to support your father's factory. Yeah, but you have to remember, pro pro capita, uh, Denmark uh, was the most pipe smoking country in the world. Yeah, and and now when I go to Denmark, that changes the number. Yeah. Uh, and that is uh, exclusively because of our government that they have raised the taxes on, on tobacco, on pipe tobacco. See, then uh, at that time it was it was cheaper if you smoked a pipe instead of cigarettes. So what people did that was uh, I'm, I'm smoking what one pack, two packs a day. Uh, if I change to pipes, uh, I can save fifty percent, and that was what a lot of people did. So uh, there were pipe smokers all over the place. Now, at the, do you know at the beginning or early on, did your father have other people working for him, or was it just him and <laughs> him and your mother? Uh, I, I'm not quite sure uh, when when uh, they had their first employee, if that was late '54 or in '55, but they had uh, they had some month where they were alone. My father was uh, was making the shall we say the rough part, uh, the shape, and and mounting uh, the mouthpiece, and my mother was uh, making the finish. 
uh, and then they they started slowly to get more people involved until 62 where we have to uh, to move the factory outside Copenhagen and that was the same time where my father stopped uh, at the harbor police so he was working at the for the harbor police and doing the pipes during the during the day for a lot of years yeah nights uh, in the harbor police and and days uh, at the pipe factory I don't know where, when he slept, but but I'm sure he slept some some time. Well, and sometime during there, you were born, so he must have been home for a few minutes. I'm I'm sure of that. I'm sure of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I was born in uh, I was born in in '59, so they probably got the routine. So there was a little bit more spare time. I I could imagine. <laughs> it was it was on the weekend when he was relaxing. Yes, exactly. Now were the is, were the pipes all classical shapes at that point? So the the traditional English shapes. We we had of course all the the uh, all the English shapes, um, but we also made a lot of uh, untraditional um, shapes in in. Uh, you have to remember that time was uh, was a time where the Danish name um, was built, and and they all made um, you know the pipes out of plateau um, uh, briarwood, where you have yeah. the rough surface uh, at the top. Uh, all that kind of things came. We're going to take a break right here. When we come back, we'll talk more about this, uh, more with Pear, and we'll talk about. Uh, you know, pair starting in the pipe factory and making his first pipe. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. Being at the forefront of craft tobacco production for over 20 years, we've been involved in some rather interesting projects at Cornell and Deal. From the cellar series to the small batch project, we're extremely proud of how far we've come. So moving forward, we wanted to take it back to basics, and that's what the Burley Flake series is all about. Burley is an underrated varietal, but there is a ton of nuance there. Using various condimental tobaccos to accentuate different aspects of the air-cured leaf, each blend in this series is intended to showcase different individual subtleties inherent to Burley. It's a simple concept, one that I think really speaks to the essence of what we do at C&D as a crew of folks who just love tobacco. It's also really good. Cornell and Deal's Burley Flakes series, wherever fine tobaccos are sold. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show talking George Jensen pipes with uh, Pear George Jensen of the McBaron Tobacco Company. Uh, all right, so you were you were born in 1959. I'm assuming you didn't start working in the factory until what you were three or four years old, maybe. Well, I think we have to 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 say about eight nine years old. Okay. <laughs> but um, that that was my my father's principle. Um, if you want any any money to 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 buy ice cream or so, you have to earn it. So when did you and, when did you really start? Uh, at, were you cleaning up and? Doing odd jobs like that as a as a young boy. Yeah, I, I started where I couldn't make any disaster. Uh, 
uh, and that was cleaning. Uh, but very soon after, uh, I start sorting out uh, the briar blocks in sizes, which size could go for which shape. All right, uh, wait, well, stop for a minute there and explain that because you get you get a shipment of briar in, and then it has to be sorted so that yeah, so that you can set it aside for different shapes. Yeah. Uh, for instance, we could have uh, three almost similar shapes, but the, the shank was a little bit longer on one of them. That means from, from one size of briar blocks, we have to sort out the longest to make that shape. And the shortest was for the two others. And, and, so and the same could be, could be with the height. And, and so that would make the... When you were buying briar, were you were you telling the briar cutter that you needed this many this size and this many that size? Yeah, already at, at that time they had um, uh, they had names for it. For instance, um, for a straight pipe, uh, a little bit longer, it was an MFF two three. That was uh, the name of it, and when we ordered. Uh, a sack of that, then we knew uh, what was the minimum size uh, in that sack. Wow! And, and the briar, but then of course, but the briar cutter would charge you extra for the ones that were longer, right? No, you could, you could, you could, you would actually say that uh, the price for for a bag was more or less the same, but the bigger the block was, the less was in it. <laughs> Okay, so so you did pay. So, so yes, that, that the cost per 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 briar block was for the bigger shapes uh, more expensive than for the smaller shapes. Yeah. Okay. So so after you learned how to sort the briar, then what was your what was your next job? You you know the one two three machines, uh, the one that I'm making uh, the tobacco hole. And the first half uh, of the outside. Then you have the two that are making the shank, and the three that are taking the bottom of uh, the bowl, leaving two pointy um, things that have to be removed by, by hand by sandpaper. Uh, in, in Danish, we, we we call it ears. Yep. The pipe had had ears, and that was the next thing that I was starting. That was to learn to remove those ears and and you have to be oh i remember that that was terrible because as as a young kid uh, you don't pay that much attention uh, if the things you are doing is that straight or is it uneven um but my father paid attention <laughs> and he knew, and he could see when it was uneven and then well we had a, a few discussions about that, but I got it. I got it. I, I think in I think in Amer in English, I think they'd say you might have gotten it in the end. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. When the did the did the freehand style or the Danish plateau style was that? I mean, that came in and that might have changed. That would have changed the production style, right? It, it sure, sure did, because uh, I remember my, my father telling um, it was much easier to make a freehand 
instead of a classical shape. Because the classical shape had to have a specific form, no matter how the wood was. In the freehand, you could change the shape as you liked it, because nobody told you how it should look. So the freehand was, was actually um, it was a small playground uh, when, when they made those, because they, they kept sandpapering until all the the small spots were gone or um, if they want to make a more elegant shape, well, they, they could do that. A classical shape is a classical shape. You cannot change that. So if you were working on a freehand, you you could you could just keep sanding it and get rid of the pits and the and the fills where on a standard shape pipe yeah you're stuck with that and then you'd have to go back and maybe do some fills and and downgrade the quality of the pipe sure you're, you're bound to the shape yeah because if uh, if one of our wholesalers uh, ordered two dozens of shape number 20 then he has to to be assured that it was number 20 he was getting. Not shorter, not longer, not higher, not lower. But it was number 20. And, and that's another so thing that, that, that on a factory standpoint, when you come up with a shape, it has to be the identical size. And uh, any, any, of the, uh, any of the listeners, if you ever get a chance to look at a factory production of maybe 12 or 14 of the same shape, you will see... Maybe some slight variances, but mm -hmm. <laughs> it's got to be the same. Yeah, and 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 back in those days, uh, well, we could make thousands of of the same shape. Wow! And they and they all have to be identical, as far as as we could get it, because it was handmade. It was sandpapered by hand. Uh, it was it was only the the um, the machine part, the beginning. And I remember I calculated, uh, decades later, uh, I calculated it was around about 5% of uh, the, type, uh, the time to make a pipe was made by machines. The rest was all done by hand. So, so when, you, when you see some of these artisans that are saying handmade pipes and, and we all know that they're using a lathe to do some of the phrasing and stuff... Even in the, the factory pipe had 95% handmade wor handwork on it. Yeah. I would have loved to, to, uh, to be able to, uh, to nurse a pipe and, and use that much time. And, of course, then get the price for it. But, but we were also bound to, to competition. Uh, who could deliver what at what price? And concerning price, I can get... Next time we talk, I have been looking through uh, the old invoices. I can tell you the price what uh, what we what we <laughs> charge our customers, and it was not much. I tell you that. <laughs> when did was it always your intention to work in the family business full time? Not at all. My biggest dream was actually to be a fighter pilot. Oh no. No, I've been in a car with you. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but um, that that I'm more or less uh, planned my life. And then when when I was thirteen or fourteen, I got glasses, and that was the end of that dream. 
<laughs> okay, I I'm picturing you as a fighter pilot in the in your pipe and an ashtray in the airplane. Yeah, well, uh, if you put me into an F-16 today, I would not be able to be there. I'm I'm too tall. <laughs> I, I couldn't be in the cockpit. No, and not only are you not only are you too tall, you might be a little too wide now. Ah, well. I need two ejection seats. <laughs> so, but but that that was that was my dream. And then um, when I was eighteen, uh, my father sent me one year to Germany to to learn the language. And I worked by our importer in the, in the warehouse in the office, and I was with the sales guys on the road, and um, well, picked up a little bit German, which helped me some forty years later. Yeah, and, well, and when I married my wife. Yeah, and that and that's the other thing that always impresses me about you is that uh, Danish is your first language, German is really your second language, and English is your third language. So, third language, yeah, yeah. So, so when when we when I talk to you, I had, I'm yeah, I'm still reminded that you speak two other languages and English is your worst and I barely speak American. So, uh, yeah, just, just between us two, Brian, you're doing fine. Uh, well, yeah. And I, and I learned and I, and I know three Danish words. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, toilet, ool and, uh, and, uh, talk. Um, yeah. Yeah. Which is basically all you need to get around Copenhagen. Exactly. So after you go to Germany, you're you're in the then you're in the business full time. Yeah, then then I I came back and uh, started at the factory, and at that time uh, uh, my father started getting sick, um, and my father died when I was twenty. And then you were the old man of the family. Well, I was the only male. Let's put it that way. My mother was still there. She had been working full time in the factory. Um, I was there, and uh, as a bad boy as I am, I managed to get my sister into the company as well. <laughs> so um, we were three, three family, family ma uh, members, and we had uh, 12 employees. So we, we were not a big factory. Now let, let's talk because I know some of the listeners are going to be interested. I have, uh, I have two George Jensen pipes. One beautiful one with a silver band that you gifted me, and another one that I found probably six eight months ago. Um, what were some of your favorite lines of the pipes that you made that we can look for on the estate market? I think that would be from the last years of um, of the, the the pipe factory. Um, in 1985, I started a pipe of the year with a small silver band where we engraved the the number in each, and there was only a thousand made a year for for the whole world. Uh, later on came. Um, Designs like Intarsia, where we put uh, briarwood into the mouthpiece. Ooh. It could be a dot or a stripe. Uh, we had um, a corporation with the silversmith, uh, 
that could dig out uh, a hole in the shank where he fitted uh, a silver plate. And the shank didn't have round uh, corners. It was square. Meaned it was dug out by hand. And then you could engrave your, your name or whatever you, you wanted. Wow. So, um, and that, that was our absolute uh, top quality. And, and then, of course, Brian, uh, you have to remember we, we made round about uh, 45,000 pipes a year. <laughs> and and my, my mother still came. And it was every year. She came, look at this piece of wood. And it was just the most fantastic grain you have ever seen. And that was like a small baby in the factory, been nursed through until it was finished. And then look at that, uh, that Brian, that, that was fantastic. And even if we have been seeing, uh, so we say 44,999 uh, other pipes that year, that one still um, made our day. Yeah. That, 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 that was a fantastic uh, memory to have. That, that you could still be enthusiastic about a piece of wood that surprised you. It, it kept you going and going and going. Yeah, yeah, and, 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 and we all knew it would come. And there were many very nice straight grains and, and so on, but there was always one who stand aside as the perfect. And what would happen with those perfect pipes? <clears throat> well, once a year we, we packed all uh, the straight grains. Um, I flew to Switzerland and our Swiss customer uh, uh, would buy them and they were sold in Switzerland. And were they stamp special that we should be looking for or something? Yeah, <laughs> If, if you find uh, if you find a pipe with with a, with a stamping that you cannot read, <laughs> then it's then it's because it's uh, it was a, a stamp we we made out of uh, from my my father's signature. So it's actually his signature that we are stamping into the pipes, and that was only the absolute top um, who got that. Wow! So now I'm gonna I'm gonna be watching eBay and the uh, and the pipe shows for one of those because that that'd be fun to have. Yeah, and there there's not that many out there. Why did they go to Switzerland? Because the Swiss are very picky. No, because just after Germany, we uh, we started up with uh, with Switzerland, and uh, for a period of five years. Um, each year I was in, in Switzerland and I made uh, tours uh, with the sales guys um, to, to build the brand and, and, and we were rather successful. So uh, we had a very good uh, name in, in Switzerland. So that's, that's the reason. At the, at the top of it, how many different countries were uh, George Jensen pipes in? I think at the top we were... Twenty twenty five was not that many. <laughs> that sounds but, like but a lot I, to me. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, but but uh, right now I'm working in a company where we are uh, dealing with 86. So that's a little bit bigger. But I can name you uh, our, our customer way up in the north. And that was uh, the Danish Sirius Patrol. And that was the Danish army that had four men traveling Greenland with uh, dog sledges. You call it that? Yeah, they had dogs in, in front of their, yeah, their vehicle. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the only thing they were doing it, it was to, to claim the sovereignty, sovereignty of uh, Greenland for Denmark. <laughs> so uh, during World War II, we had four soldiers on Greenland. And they, and they were buying George Jensen pipes. Once a year, we got uh, a telephone call from um, the base in, in Aalborg in Denmark with an order because uh, they had nothing else to do than, <laughs> than sitting in their tents and, and smoke. Uh, so we packed them and uh, he always said, the guy who was ordering, please remember to wrap them good because they are thrown down with parachute. <laughs> Wow. So so one of the Hercules was passing over and they dropped it out and and we always got a, a thank you card from them. <laughs> so, that we made that night. So you you were doing oh, uh, uh, doing air delivery to Greenland for pipe mate, for pipes. Yeah. I I can tell you it was not the big business but it was it was a fun part of it. Yeah. That that we could uh, could actually spread a little bit joy in in, in the nine months where where Greenland is is completely dark. It's it's night. Uh, uh, did you also supply pipes to W. O. Larson? Uh, yes, uh, we made. Uh, he had a line, not not the handmade, but he had a line below with I think it was ten shapes, and um, we started out uh, making those. And of course, we we uh, uh, we made business with uh, the Larsen shop in Copenhagen, but on a he was a retailer, so yeah, it was just normal business. But but for the pipeline, uh, yes, that the ten shapes, standard shapes that he came with in the 90s, uh, we made them. And did you do any other uh, any other fun projects with some brands or people that we might uh, that we might know of? Oh, we had for 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 years and years uh, until we we more or less closed down. Uh, we made the giant line of uh, the Davidov. Ooh. Um. We made, uh, if uh, the brand name Bentley stage uh, tells you anything. Yeah. Uh, it's a German. They have all their, their, not their rejects, but their lower qualities has to be made ready. And, and we did that. So they were then sold in, in, in Germany under uh, different shop names. And then I believe on my uh, on one of my trips to Denmark, we took a tour of uh, of the palace right there in Copenhagen. Which is, if you ever get to Copenhagen, you can 
you can just freely go walk in the courtyard of the palace and then you can take the tour if you want to on in the museum but i think there was also some george jensen pipes in uh in uh, king frederick's uh table that they have on display there sure because um during the, the military service of my father he was on um, the royal sh- the royal yacht actually sailing with the with the king um, or the coming king at that time and uh, each year he made two pipes for the king and um, I unfortunately I only got two of the, the, the thank you cards uh, the king sent um, but it, it's strange to, to notice the difference in handwriting <laughs> from, the fir- from the first one from 67 it's, it's a completely normal handwriting and the last one is from uh, 72 um, and and you can see he's very sick, and he he died that year. Um, but still went up and and sent a thank you card. Wow! So it, I, w- I would be very surprised if if uh, in his collection there there are multiple uh, George Jensen pipes, and I think my father did it for. Well, he served the king uh, in his military service, and and and. Yeah. My father was a royalist. And and I'm sure the king um, didn't have to pay for the pipes either. Uh, I think my father forgot to, to uh, put an invoice in, in, in the parcel. Mm, yeah, yeah. But he, he, and then the king would collect the taxes, of course, just to make sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. on the tobacco, of course, of course. <laughs> it's only, wor- it's, as, as everything else, it only works one way. Yeah. <laughs> well, Pear, thank you very much for this uh, trip down memory lane. I won't make you answer the Fast Five final questions because I think you've had them two or three times before. Um, plus, we'll tease this in a couple of weeks or maybe a month or so. Uh, you're going to come back on the show and talk about some new stuff coming from McBaron, and we'll talk about what's going on in Europe and uh yeah, because in Europe you can still make new stuff, although the packaging's a bit of an issue. But we'll uh, we'll save that for the uh, for your return visit in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Okay. Oh, Brian, you just got me started. Now we have to end. I'm sorry, but we'll <laughs> yeah. have to we we'll have to find another time. Well, if anybody, uh, you know, if anybody runs into you at a pipe show or out on the road, I'm sure you can. Uh, be prompted to tell stories of the pipe factory and uh, maybe some some uh, some young pair mischief that you might have gotten into and some uh, troubles because uh, I when I met your sister she told me that you weren't exactly the most perfect brother no <laughs> that, that means uh, what is a perfect brother <laughs> yeah well you might have gotten into trouble a little bit here and there and and I'm and I'm happy you did. <laughs> yes, exactly. Okay, Brian, that was um, that was my pleasure to uh, to take part in this. It it actually it was fun. And we'll be back in just a minute. A Savinelli pipe is a testament to a long legacy, fortified by well-worn hands and destined to be enjoyed for generations. For over 150 years, Savinelli has been dedicated to sourcing the world's finest briar, committed to pushing the boundaries of pipe design, 
and devoted to the tradition of Italian pipe making. Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark. And like you, there can only be one Savinelli. This is Internet Radio. And we are back. Um, if you want to keep up to date with Pear, you can follow him on Instagram and Facebook and on YouTube and uh, more on that in a future show. All right, for music, um, boy, since uh, since uh, Rich Lewis said something about Steve Winwood, I've been on a, a bit of a Steve Winwood kick while working around the house. So here's one of Steve's more modern uh classic or top hits and this is uh, Roll With It.
That is uh, Steve Winwood, Roll With It, from his uh, Roll With It 1988 album, I believe. Wow. Anyway, I really love the horn section in there. Oh boy, we've got a message. And in the mailbag, if you have a comment or question, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com, or you can post them on the Pipes Magazine radio show page at pipesmagazine.com. Uh... Not much really to talk about right now because, well, it's February 29th that I'm recording this. And uh, there is one five-star rating and review on iTunes that's been posted uh, since the last show. So thank you very much. And remember, if you can get on there and do that, we would greatly appreciate that. But this uh, this one is titled The One and Only, and it's by Sad App Purchaser. And a sad app purchaser says, if you're into pipes, this podcast is a must. Brian is a wonderful and very knowledgeable host. Every show is packed with new and exciting material. I love how easy the podcast is to listen to, and Brian's bad jokes is just the icing on the cake. <laughs> well, they're at least bad jokes. Um, we can't, and he says, well, we cannot be thankful enough for all the hard work you guys put into every show. Keep up the great work. Well, thank you very much, and we will keep up the great work, uh, no matter if we get the occasional cranky puss out there. Um, and uh, just for fun, uh, Dino, our uh, resident musical director here, has a uh, poem that is being published in the February uh, issue of the NASPC's Pipe Collector, which I'm sure all of you are uh, members of, and if you're not, uh, for 20 bucks a year or 20 some odd dollars a year or $10 for the digital version. Well, you get uh, six issues of the pipe collector and they're about 60 pages each. It's a great value. I look forward to them coming each year, uh, each, every other month. And, uh, Dino wrote some poetry and it's entitled classic PAD. And here it is. It's right there on the screen. It's calling to me like Odysseus's temptress. The siren pixels singing their seductive ballad, a new, rare-shaped Peterson B7, a sinewy, rakish, briar beauty. Should I? Could I? Would I? My Penelope in her Grecian easy chair demures. A hundred and eight pipes are enough, she argues. But wait, there on her laptop... A pair of Pudissois pumps sit in the cart. Aha! My smirk meets her smile, and all is well in Ithaca. Soon that B7 will make its own homecoming. <laughs> there you go. Your wife buys shoes, you buy a pipe. All right, uh, comments, questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. And a little travel tip for you for this week. When I am going to a vacation destination, and I describe a vacation destination as a place where, you know, getting to a Walmart or a Walgreens or someplace like that is not easy. So Las Vegas Boulevard, you know, Walgreens there, those aren't the cheapest. So if you're going on a vacation destination or like this cruise that we're on right now or Walt Disney World, I always make sure to bring double the amount of charging supplies or cords or connectors that I think we're going to need. Uh, 
the reason I do that is because if one breaks or one gets lost, well, then I've got the backup right there. I don't have to go to a hotel gift shop or to an expensive tourist destination market and pay the outrageous price for it. I have it right away. I don't have to take any time out of my trip. And really, when you think about it, if you're traveling with your smartphone and you bring two little charging blocks that plug into the wall and two USB cords, that's not all that much to carry. And then you're guaranteed that you'll have one that'll work. All right, there you go. That's a travel tip for you. And in just a moment, rant time. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corn Cob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corn cob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. chosen the wrong roofing company to have them do our roof uh we've had a few issues but lately the latest one is and now the roof has been on for three months we haven't had a leak or anything like that so all's good there but the latest thing is for insurance purposes i've asked them for an invoice that shows that they installed the roof on this house and the materials that they used and list them by name including the underlayments and the roofing shingles and the quantity they used. And the reason I want that is because we got a little bit of upgraded materials. Well, I want that for insurance purposes, and I want to see the quantities that they used. Well, this company that we used, and maybe somewhere down the road I'll tell you their name, uh, but this company that we've used seems to have a really hard time being able to do this. Even to the point where my wife got on the phone with one of their ladies in the office there and said, look, we want what would look like a shopping list. So we bought six apples, four oranges, this, this, and this. We just want it all on one page on their letterhead. And what do they keep sending us? They keep sending us the promotional flyers and materials and material description sheets for the products they've used. So we've been going back and forth now for about, oh, I don't know, five, six weeks. And uh, I have a feeling by the time I get back from the cruise, I'm going to have to go back and forth with them again because they can't seem to figure out how to just create a standard silly little invoice for everyone to be able to read and say, these are the materials that we used and these are the quantities that we used on this house and we installed it on this date. It's that simple, but they're too dumb to figure it out. All right, end of rant. Uh, remember, follow me on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, you can follow, you can like the uh, Pipes Magazine radio show on uh, Facebook as well. Uh, JDRF auction items, please, if you have anything, please email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. I'd like to get those in as soon as possible, and I really do appreciate all that. 
I want to thank uh, my friend Perry Jensen for joining us. Thank you all for tuning in. And until next time. Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy You use your tongue prettier than a $20 whore.